Welcome to episode 44 of Coffee Pods and Wads, sponsored by Born Primitive UK. You can use the code COFFEEPODS10 for money off your basket on the website, bornprimitive.co.uk, and also sponsored by Rain Body Fuel, uh, caffeine to set you up for your training. Um, thank you for listening and for your continued support of the podcast. Please continue to like and share everything that you can at Coffee Pods and Wads on Instagram. The more you share um, in your stories and stuff like that, the more people see it and they might get involved as well. Um, and we can grow the community you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com for slash coffee pods and wads or at the link on my instagram today's guest is my first returning guest uh arm and hammer is back to talk all things hq and the games and everything that's happening and changing as well as his own struggles during lockdown uh, we joke at one point how things need to be constantly re-recorded and updated because CrossFit HQ is undergoing such a shitstorm. And lo and behold, the entire contents of the toilet hit the fan with the allegations of misogyny and alleged grotesque going on from Greg Glassman um, that erupted uh, that all erupted post-recording. So you'll forgive us for not discussing that aspect of things. Um, also, it's the first time I didn't write any notes. Um, I researched as usual, but I just didn't write anything down just to see what would happen. Um, I think it turned out well. Uh, enjoy, listen, share, and tag. So this is the first. You're the first person to be on twice. First first, uh, first redo. So that's exciting. Nice. That, that is very exciting. Yeah. Um, and it's the first time I haven't written anything down. So doubly exciting. Wow. I'm going we're, off the cuff. We're winging it. Yeah, so this is going to be a train wreck, or it's going to be like jazz, just improv, just yeah, improv yeah. and some. Yeah, um, I got loads of messages after our first episode together, uh, praising our bromance. That was nice. People said we vibed off each other. It is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I can feel it yeah. over the internet. It's tangible through the screen. <laughs> <laughs> um how have you found lockdown uh it's been it's been a challenge um you went very quiet for a long time i was worried I about did. you yeah because <laughs> you're uh, someone someone who's so consistent to suddenly just drop off i was like shit i hope he's all right yeah i had i had some uh i had some speed bumps i guess is a good way of describing yeah, yeah. it uh it was just it was just kind of rough um, you know, for me, a lot of what I was doing was focused so much on the competitive season and for the competitive season to basically just drop off the face of the planet was, uh, not, not really that great for me. Um, you know, but the, the end result is I think a better understanding of where the strengths and weaknesses of my content are and where I can, you know, improve things and move forward. Um, hopefully kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Hopefully, be in just a, a better position, you know, moving moving into the future. Um, you know, I, I did. I just had a really hard time in the beginning because I wanted to focus a lot of my energy on, you know, how can I help people through this? Like, how can I how can I provide useful information for people through this as opposed mm-hmm. to either entertainment or talking about, um, you know, the season, which was you know DOA at that point, but. I think a few things happened. You know, I think I underestimated how long it was going to be. Yeah, I think I thought, I thought, Yeah, I thought we were going to be able to, you know, I was going to be able to fill like maybe three weeks or four weeks of content like very, very aggressively with mm. a lot of really cool and new things that I hadn't done in the past. And then once it started extending past that and I realized that, you know, not only is 
not only are these like new types of content or new pieces of content that I'm coming out with not really hitting the same chords as my previous type of content, but this is probably going to last another month or another six weeks or another eight weeks. And uh, it was, um, yeah, it was just wasn't, it was a problem that I could not solve at the time. I just could, I couldn't figure out how to make it work. And yeah, so I, I kind of well, just accept it then. What's that? Did you just basically accept it and then? Yeah, in a way, I mean, I, 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 I suppose spent... things started opening back up as well, which kind of makes it, or there was maybe not open back up, but there was a kind of light where it was kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, it's not, it's like, it's easing a little bit. Like, yeah, I just needed to, I needed to sort of refocus on different things. Um, you know, I, I, I needed to put a little bit more energy into having, uh, you know, because the thing about this this whole like shelter in place and lockdown thing is that it's such a cool opportunity to make things better or improve things or start something new, that sort of thing, right? And so I went through a few weeks of really sort of digging deep and hard into what it is that I've been doing, why it works, how it works, uh, how I can you know, either make the adjustments to the things that are working so that they continue working or like, you know, jettison the things that aren't working. And that's an ongoing process. But, um, you know, I shifted my focus of like my work from doing content, you know, four or five times a week to doing uh, more of sort of the back of the house type stuff that um, might help me better understand how to succeed yeah. further into the future type situation uh, and that that's you know that's sometimes not the most comfortable way of doing things because you have to be really really critical and like really brutally honest with like what you're doing and at the same time strangely enough uh, a lot of other parts of my life were really like at high it's like just really positive super positive uh you know my wife had just moved jobs to something that was way closer to the house so mm-hmm. she wasn't commuting three hours a day to go to a 12 or 13 hour shift, she's commuting three minutes each direction. You know, it's like yeah. less than a mile from our home. So we're spending way more time together. We got to work out together on a regular basis. We find kind of like navigated this new schedule that she had together, which is really nice. And so it's, it's really, it's kind of like this tale of like uh, very disparate ends of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. You know, my work was really struggling and really, I was having a hard time trying to put it all together and, and you know, see sort of the, the, you know, the forest for the trees type situation at Mm -hmm. the same time, like my personal life and, you know, like my, my habits and like my health were better than they've been in a long time. Cause I'm not traveling every week, spending more time with my wife and my dogs. It's like, you know, I, I, I had to find a way of, of making those things actually make sense in my brain. And, uh, it, it just took, it took a little bit of time. It took a little bit of time. Yeah. I think I was the same. Like I was like, same as you, I was like, okay, like three weeks, maybe four. So I started doing like two episodes a week and I was like, you know, I'll give people a bit of a distraction and it'll be fine. Like give me something to do or whatever. And then when it was like, oh yeah, this is probably going to go on until June. I was like, oh, I was like, that's a lot yeah. of double episodes. Like that's a lot of interviews. That's a lot of like begging people to come on. Yeah, it, it is a lot. It is a lot for sure. You know, I, um, I think overall this thing probably stuck up on everybody in a way. Uh, yeah, I think everyone was lulled into this. Like everyone was kind of, 
duped into thinking, well, bar a select few who are like, you know, real, I told you sowers. But like, there's, <laughs> there's like, uh, I think most people were like, yeah, like three weeks, I can handle three weeks. And then like, when it was like another week, they're like, okay, yeah, four. And then I know in Ireland, the way the government here did it was they were like two week blocks. So it was mm-hmm. like, right, we're shutting down for three weeks. And then it was like, okay, we're shutting down for another two weeks. And then another two weeks. And it was like, okay, fucking hell. Like, I mean, you know, and then, but then thankfully then they started saying, okay, now we can start reopening and stuff. So it is getting easier. Like, I think a lot of the gyms are opening. Uh, a lot of the gyms are open now, but like outdoors, mm-hmm. so you can have, I think you can have 15 people outdoors. So like say one coach and 14 yeah. people, but they have to be like distanced and not sharing equipment and shit like that. Yeah, um, and then I think from the end of July, they haven't released specifics, but you're allowed to have indoor classes from the end of July. But it, again, same thing, like distanced and not sharing equipment. And so I think all classes that were like an hour are going to be like forty minutes with like ten minutes at the start to find your space and ten minutes at the end to wipe down your stuff and then ten minutes between classes. So that I think. We say there's say if there's a rule that there's 15 people allowed indoors at any one time, that means you can't have the next class arriving and like stretching right. or warming up. So you have to have like 10 minute gap of nothing so that they can leave and the new ones can come in without any crossover. Like so it's like it is it's not over, like it's really fucking complicated. Like it's it's uh it's madness, like how you kind of think, all right, shops are open now, sure, that's grand, everything's going back to normal, and then you forget like that. It's like, you know, say Joe and Katie that own the gym I go to are doing renovations so they've like knocked everything inside the four walls basically and they're putting in an upstairs and stuff so they're like oh you know we might miss a week you know depending on when the work finishes and stuff like that and then even listening to them talking last night they were like you know and then we can have people indoors and they were like because we've got so much space we reckon if we had a class of 20 we'd have like 14 square meters per person if we had a class of 20 and wow. I was like I was like, oh yeah, that's grand. And then Joe was like, well, I mean, that's depending on how many people the government say are allowed indoors. And you kind of forget like that. You can't just do whatever you want. That There is still specifics like so. Yeah. We, in, in here in Austin, we've been uh, slowly opening up since the beginning of May yeah. and gyms opened up in the middle of May and the indoor capacities have been increasing over the past few weeks. Hmm. Um, I don't think everything is back to normal, but there isn't a situation there aren't situations where we're you know waiting in line to get into grocery stores anymore and uh you know while we still have to wear masks places we can actually go to restaurants and eat um we can go to coffee shops you know the in the insides like the lobbies of most of these places aren't open to any sort of real capacity it's like maybe a handful of people are allowed inside of a coffee shop at a time yeah but uh luckily the uh the patio life is uh yeah. is, is really really big here like yeah. there's a lot of really great patios a lot of great like coffee spots and that sort of thing so um it is uh it is absolutely it is absolutely uh nice to have some type of normalcy again in terms yeah. of being able to go get a coffee and sit outside and and enjoy enjoy a little bit of what austin has to offer it's funny as well i was thinking the other day i was like it's been really like, uh, what would you call it? Like, not post-apocalyptic. What's those, um, you know those like dystopian future movies? You know where yeah. like everything, everyone's going around in masks. Like I was in town yesterday, my dad was getting his eyes tested. And uh, there was like a kid walk past with a mask. And I was just like, that's so fucking weird. Like that there's a child 
covered up. Yeah. And like, I don't think they have to be, but it's obviously just for whatever they want to do and the parents want them to be safe and stuff. But I was kind of like, man, this is really weird. Like, and then I came home and I saw that like CrossFit had split the USA into districts. And I was like, this is Hunger Games. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, I had that, I had that conversation with, with, uh, with a friend of mine about, about the, the Hunger Games aspect of the, the new affiliate zones in the US. Yeah, it's like, even the way they were like, nominate someone, I was like, come on, they must see what they're doing here. Like, <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Um, I suppose, like, first of all, if you were anyway bored, Greg Glassman took care of that for you. That is very true. That is very true. Now I'm now I'm upset because there's a never ending, just tsunami of work right now. Yeah. So you know, it's like just stop for one second, give me one second to breathe. Because for a while, uh, you know, last week, I would sit down to record something, or I would get on an interview with somebody, whether it's my stuff or someone else's stuff to sort of recap and talk about and analyze what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, during that hour, something gigantic would occur. And yeah. it would just it would just completely upend everything that we just talked about. So oh, like, I, I recorded like six episodes. I had six episodes in the bank. And I was like, oh, I'm fucking freewheeling for three weeks. I was like, that's, that's all my work done for three weeks. I had them edited. I had my you know, the music in at the start and finish. I was like, all I have to do is record my introduction and put it in on those six episodes. Amazing. And then I found myself messaging those six people being like, yeah, look, so do you want to re-record anything or do you want to add anything in? Because it's going to sound weird if we just don't talk about it. And I was like, whatever you want to do. So a few of them were like, oh, I want to shelve the episode and wait. Another few were like, no, go ahead. And another few were like, yeah, I might record an add-on. Like I spoke to Zach George uh, like two, like a week ago. So like the Greg Lastman thing had happened but nothing else had happened. So like it didn't, yeah. it didn't blow up as big. It was just like the comment had happened. Had it happened? Maybe it hadn't happened. Oh fuck, I don't know. Something happened anyway. And then we were talking about that. So we kind of casually mentioned it and then moved on. No, the Greg Lassman thing hadn't happened. And then we spoke, I would like message him being like, man, maybe you want to, re-, cause we were kind of a little bit blase about it. We just kind of briefly chatted about it and moved on. And we didn't say anything wrong, but at the same time, you don't want to not comment on it. Sure. So he was like, yeah, I'll re-record. Um, and then like when we finished up the re-record he was like yeah sure I'll speak to you in another two days when everything changes again <laughs> it's just like it's so true because I was thinking of you and like there's a few guys saying a similar line of work to you that I was like they must be just constantly editing or like change being like oh I can't put up that article I was going to put up I have to change it to include this or I have to put that thing in like you know do you like did you expect because Glassman said some fucking weird shit in the past did mm-hmm. you expect that this would kind of have the effect that it has had? Um, yes and no. Uh, I think the thing about Greg Glassman is that he is absolutely, he's volatile and he's unpredictable and he has a really, really unique perspective on things like he has a very uh a very no nonsense way of looking at things Mm. um but he also is is really awful at communication i mean he's terrible at communication so you know for him spouting off what he's thinking at that moment or what he's sort of 
theorizing or guessing or feeling or has has been mulling over for the past day or weeks or months or whatever for him like just like spouting something out there is normal it happens all the time mm-hmm. uh so yeah in a way it was only a matter of time before he said something to like actually get in real trouble. Yeah. No, I think the, the community reaction to this has been exponentially greater than what he probably expected it to be. And has probably been a couple of order of magnitudes greater than it would have been if it wasn't the context that we're all in right now, where, you know, worldwide, everything is shut down because of COVID-19. And on top of that, you know, the, the sort of secondary effects of that are, are businesses are suffering. People are having a hard time trying to see where their future lies or where the light at the end of the tunnel is. So there's a lot of stress there because of, because of all of this. Then in the States, there's been this sort of awakening or reawakening of racial tensions that have constantly been bubbling under the surface forever essentially in terms of Mm -hmm. the u.s history and all of these things kind of like stack on top of each other you know did not to mention the state of you know the the state of politics in the u.s right now is incredibly contentious it's incredibly contentious like there is no middle ground in any way right so because of that everything becomes politicized and everything becomes a head-to-head thing right Mm. so suddenly you take someone like greg who will spout off and sort of like say a thing like that floyd 19 quote he'll say something like that where to him it's like you know he's he's has this entire thing that he's been thinking about for months and it's just like the last part of something that he's been thinking about forever yeah and uh and he'll like drop that and he he doesn't like for him he doesn't care that the those contexts those layers of context exist that will magnify what it is he's saying hmm. or will potentially make it like you know a, a like irreversible damage to the what he's done in his entire life right he doesn't care that that's the case because he yeah. to him it's just like it's just another thing here's just another thing that i'm saying and so when you have all of those factors coming into place, like, yeah, it, it, it was only a matter of time until Greg said something to get himself into trouble. But this is, this is the, like the, the intersection of a lot of different things going on specifically in the U S specifically amongst, you know, the, the sort of context of what he's talking about where COVID meets, you know, racial, uh, injustice in the states and like specifically at a time where the politicization of any uh, any sort of like action taken especially by corporations like anonymous corporations or uh, you know well-known corporations alike is is being scrutinized really really aggressively um, he essentially found a perfect storm I just he did in a grenade. <laughs> like, he did, yeah. He absolutely did. And yeah. look, that's exactly what that's what made CrossFit blow up to begin with. By the mm-hmm. way, he found a perfect storm and threw in the grenade. Yeah. It's just in that sense, it went it went in the other direction. It went positively. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I don't know if, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see, here's a perfect example of what I'm talking about, by the way, when I say it's like the, the, the media and the pol- politics in the U S right now is so damaged, uh, in terms of how it approaches things. Um, there's this guy who, uh, I don't even know who he is. He's some sort of like political commentator or pundit or whatever. He found a tweet from 2012, eight years ago, from 2012, of Domino's Pizza thanking somebody for saying that their pizza is the best pizza or whatever. They literally, it was like the, someone tweeted, hey, uh, Domino's, your pizza is way better than this other competitor. And Domino's was like, oh, thank you. Really appreciate that. 2012, eight years ago. It just so happens that that person that tweeted, you know, oh my your, your pizza is way better than this other competitor. It just so happens that that person is now like starting within the last like three weeks or four weeks, the press secretary for the United States, the president of the United States. So now, so now Domino's is, is hoisting up Donald Trump. So now she is in a political position. She is, she, so back then, back then she wasn't the press secretary for Donald Trump. Back mm-hmm. then she wasn't that, that at all. There's no context in which that has any relationship to what's happening right now. But this, 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 like this grifting bastard goes onto Twitter and finds this tweet that's eight years old and tries to dredge it up in a way to like, quote unquote, cancel dominoes. That is, that is how unhealthy the environment in the States is. Now, if you, if you look at that and that's just some moron taking an innocuous statement from almost a decade ago and trying to turn something or trying to turn nothing into something. Mm. And you compare that to what Greg did where Greg Glassman, you know, whether he's trying to make a, a, a salient point or not failed at making a salient point and succeeded in, you know, making himself look like an idiot and also, you know, just spouting off with the the absolute like most insensitive combination of things that you could in that moment. And like, you know, that is something. And it has it has blown up into something even greater. I kind of feel as well like it is like that thing, you know, if you're sitting on a bus or you're like walking down the street and you overhear one line of someone else's conversation and you're like, what the fuck could they possibly be talking about? I feel exactly. like, it's like that, that he had this whole like, you know, um, like a manifesto that he had come up with. And then the last little bit was that it's Floyd 19. And then even with the context of everything that went before it, it's still insensitive and misplaced and, you know, borderline racist, depending on what the context was before it. Without everything before it, it's all of those things and worse. Like, you know, it's like, it is like that thing where you're kind of like, well, what what did he just say? Like some of the walk past you on the street, you know? The thing is like, um, you know, Greg, so in any sort of communication, right? In any sort of communication, especially in the environment that we're in right now, almost everyone understands, at least intuitively, that when you're communicating with somebody and you're trying to make a point about something or you're trying to like convince them, not even just convince them about something, whatever you're trying to communicate, you should try to be pretty crystal clear about what it is because whatever you're not clear about, they'll fill in, the person who's listening is gonna fill in the gaps. Mm. And you have no control over how they fill in those gaps. They might, they might be gracious and give you the benefit of the doubt, or they might assume bad faith and give you, you know, the worst possible scenario. 
I, I don't really think Greg's a racist. Like in all of my experience with him, in all of the things that I've heard about him over the course of, you know, his time, like being in the limelight in CrossFit of all the sort of like wild and crazy rumors about his behavior, the, the notion of him being racist has never been involved in that. Hmm. Um, so the idea that, uh, you know, like the idea that he's trying to communicate when he says that it's, I did. I, do you know that I called him and I talked to him after? Yeah. After he tweeted that. No. Okay. So let me tell you the story. He tweets that thing on, like, I think it was Saturday night and already the CrossFit community was kind of like, they were like a little on fire, you know, because this email had come out and he had been like super mm, you know, dismissive and rude thing. to to the rocket community fitness thing. And then CrossFit had posted on their CrossFit games page that like, Oh, why don't you tell us how we can better serve the black <laughs> community? And it's and like, people. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, um, this is, this is already going South. Like, you know, classic CrossFit's communication has been subpar forever. And here we are yet again in a situation where their communication is incredibly subpar. Mm. Shocker, right? Like just so surprised. So, uh, that starts getting some momentum. Glassman tweets out on Saturday evening, maybe like, sometime in the evening and I was like, like how can I say how can I salvage this situation <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. uh and yeah it's what like three words what three words can I tweet that will save <laughs> my business yeah yeah he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this yeah, I promise I I'm gonna fix this here it goes <laughs> so he it's tweets like, no up. Greg Greg I don't think that's no no wait 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 just wait till you see what I know that I'm telling you this is gonna work this is gonna work you guys it's really clever <laughs> So he, he tweets that Floyd 19 thing out and I saw it almost immediately. And I was like, Oh no, like this is, this is not it. Like this is absolutely not going to be it. Uh, it's going to make things way, way worse. And it did, but I knew reading that I was like, all right, I know at least I have an understanding of Greg Glassman as a person. Mm. I know for a fact that this is, is the end is exactly what you described. It's like mm. the last sentence of a 200 page long manifesto. Yeah. Like, like he has, you know, it's the same thing that he, he did like, you know, taking on Coca-Cola and, and, you know, uh, corruption and health sciences and stuff like that. He has this, this end thing in mind and he knows the steps to get there and, you know, if you can't catch up with him, that's his, that's your problem, not his mm. problem. That's how he approaches this type of communication. And I was like, I know Greg is going to have a, an explanation for this. And uh, I don't want to hear it right now. Like, this is not helpful. So I, I, I sort of just like laid low on Saturday. And then Sunday morning, you know, more and more steam was, was starting to catch up. And I, I'm assuming that he probably heard from quite a few people over the course of Saturday night to Sunday morning. But I texted him on Sunday morning and I was like, Greg, uh, I just sent him a screenshot of that tweet. And I was like, what, what is this? Like, why did you do this? And uh, we got on, the, on a phone call 
uh, like maybe five or 10 minutes later. And he explained, he explained like his mindset. He explained what he was saying, who he was saying it to, why he felt that way. And I was like, I'm going to stop you, Greg, because what you have to realize that what you tweeted and what you're explaining to me are not related. You're not getting this point across by what you tweeted. It doesn't communicate this thought process. It communicates something way, way different, way different. And he, and he kind of like stopped for a second and, you know, considered that and was like, all right, I'm going to try and I'm going to issue a clarifying statement. That's what he said. I'm going to issue a clarifying statement. And I was like, I don't know if that's a good idea. It's like, I don't know if you can try and clarify this. Like, I don't think people are going to be interested in, in, but either way, like, okay, you're going to issue a clarifying statement. So issue your clarifying statement, but in it, don't say anything you just said to me because it's just kind of. (laughs) So, uh, he, he did, he tweeted, he tweeted, I don't know if you remember, he tweeted a follow-up on like Sunday afternoon or whatever. And he sent it to me. He like tweeted it and then sent it to me. And he was like, look, I, I did, I did the clarifying statement. And I was like, I didn't even respond. It's like, yeah. I can't, like you, you didn't understand what it was I was trying to explain. And trying to clarify your tweet over the course of, you know, 200 characters on Twitter is only going to hurt the process. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what happened. You know, that's exactly what happened. Uh, it's, it's just this entire situation has been a huge, I think it's been really challenging for a lot of people um, in the CrossFit space. Now there's very loud and uh, you know, aggressive and you know, on point calls for change in CrossFit. And I 100% agree. I've been asking for CrossFit to change in meaningful ways for 12 years like ever since i basically started learning anything about how the organization functions i was like this has to change this is not gonna work and um i think it's very easy and in some cases justified to point that anger and that desire for change at greg glassman because he is crossfit it's 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 a concept that I think people don't necessarily understand, but like all the things that made CrossFit successful come from him. It's, and you're, you're, it seems to be following along the line of was it Jacob Hefner put up a video like two or three days after everything happened. And it seems it's that thing of like, the, where, where is your anger directed? Like, you know, what, what are you directing? You know, he was kind of saying he was using those, um, those stackable, political scenarios that you mentioned mm-hmm. and he was like if you're angry about this and you're angry about this and you're angry like if you're angry about the political situation the racism the lack of action on racism the covid you know the fact that you're stuck in your house or whatever if you're angry at all those things and then you're choosing to direct it towards this one person then you need to ask yourself is this what i'm supposed to be doing like is this a healthy way in which to react so i suppose like after like <laughs> It's kind of, I think a lot of people were as surprised as I was when I was going to bed on, I don't know, I think it was like a Tuesday night or something. And I just flicked onto Instagram just before I went to bed. And I think it was you on, I don't know, was it a post or a story put up like 
Greg Glassman resigns or retires or whatever as CEO and Dave Castro is in. And I like put my phone down and I got into bed and I was just like, what the fuck is going on? And <laughs> my wife, Orla, was just like, what's wrong? And I was like, I, I just, and then she was like, what happened? Like between the, your phone and here, like what news did you get? That's so shocking. And I was like, Dave Castro's new CEO of CrossFit. And she was like, what? I was like, yeah, like, I think a lot of people kind of thought, okay, so you, you know Castro a bit, like from, you know, you've had dealings with him and stuff and you, you know, like as this has gone on, my first initial reaction was like out of the frying pan into the fire. This is just going to go south so quickly because he's so fucking brash on social media. And he's so like, you know, does not give a fuck what anyone thinks. He'll just reply however he wants to reply. Like he just doesn't care. He probably shares less information than fucking CrossFit do, which is saying something. He's really guarded with everything he knows. Like I was like, you know, the one thing people really don't like about CrossFit is this thing of like, no, no, this is our news. We'll share it when we want to share it. And like, he loves that. Like, like, no, no, this is my thing. And I'm going to keep it like it's a secret until the very last second. But like now the fact that they are sharing stuff and they are sharing their plans and they've issued, like he put up a picture the other day where they were in like this kind of relaxed looking seminar style chat. They've, you know, there's been seminar staff coming out and saying like, oh, I'm in, like, I'm pretty happy with what's being done. And, you know, like people whose opinion I trust, I suppose, of like, you know, yeah, I'm happy with what's happening here. I think like my initial reaction was like, oh man, this is going to, this is the fucking world is going to burn here, like with him in charge. But then I've kind of started thinking like, you know, maybe everything up until now was like, you know, like Dave Castro is a prick. Like that's his character and that's his like get out of jail free card that if someone doesn't like an open workout or if someone doesn't like whatever, or if someone doesn't appreciate this or that or agree with anything he says, it's like, oh, but that's just Dave Castro. That's the way he is. So there's no point saying anything about it. Just let it go. And it's like a protective layer. Like it's like a mask that it's just fine. Like, whereas the steps that have been taken whether it's the advice he's getting, whether there's like, you know, some kind of PR team working with them, which I mean, there fucking should be if there isn't, or like a board or whatever, the decisions that they're making seem to be good. And I think like, I've seen a lot of gyms and affiliates and stuff saying, I'm out and then I'm in. And then it's kind of like, well, you know, maybe just, just wait like until something, something meaningful happens because like, yeah it would have been very easy for Castro and HQ or whatever to come out and be like, right, uh, we fucked up really badly. We're going to do this, 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 and this. Um, like we're going to reintegrate affiliates. We're going to earn your trust back. We're going to have like, you know, some kind of Rooney rule where there's more black appointments or BAME appointments or whatever. We're going to have a board of this, that, and the other, and then do nothing. So like, I think I personally think the longer it takes someone to come up with an answer for something like this, the more layers is going to be to it and the more planning is going to be gone into it and the more feasible it is to do, the more realistic it is to do and the more it might achieve rather than just like Monday, the shit hits the fan and then Tuesday we've got this glossy fucking laminated thing that we're, you know, this is, this is our apology, take it or leave it. Right. Um, like, would you agree with that? Or do you think, you know, like, do you think it's a good idea having Castro where he is? Um, I think there's, uh, I think, I think there's, there's 
Fucking that's hell, that a really a long, that was a long way to ask you that question. No, no, no I, 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 I appreciate you doing that because you, you laid out sort of where your head's at, and you also, mm-hmm. I think, communicated some really, uh, you know, some really accurate points about sort of the mature way of looking at this thing. Uh, the short answer to your question is, I'm not confident that Dave Castro is the right guy to be CEO, uh, and I'm basing that off of the parts of the business that Dave has been most interested in, most uh, participatory in, you know, that his hands have been over the most, aren't the parts of CrossFit's business that need the most help. Okay. The fact is, like, Greg aside, right? If you, if you, if you, even if you just remove this entire situation with Greg, right? If you remove the scenario with Greg, CrossFit as a business has a lot of problems. The model isn't modern. It, it, it never caught up, right? It started doing this really wild and crazy free market thing. And the, the actual core of what CrossFit as CrossFit Incorporated offers never evolved to catch up to the rest of the 21st century. Mm. And that's why we've seen so many competitors be able to sort of create similar or, you know, slightly different variations on the CrossFit, you know, physical model of like, here's a box, here's workouts. Yeah. CrossFit, here's your group. CrossFit, not CrossFit, like basically. Right. You know, and, and it, it goes to, you know, orange theories and TRX gyms and uh, Tabata gyms and, you know, interval gyms and whatever. Like there's just so many variations of like, you know, CrossFit lit this fire in the entire world for this type of training and then didn't really do a good job of protecting it or creating more novel ways of, of you know, interacting with their their customers. It just didn't. It never, it never caught up. It mm. never modernized. And that is 100% because Greg wasn't interested in that. He doesn't care about, you know, having 21st century partnerships and, you know, that type of uh, new product and, you know, changing the IP and stuff. For him, he's like, I made CrossFit. CrossFit's great. The concept works. The methodology works. The free market will prove it. I don't really care about what happens after that. You know, everything else so that with if if the if the two areas that Castro was most involved in, I assume you mean like the games and seminar, like you know, like that kind of side of things. If they're the two areas that need the least help, do you not think that's a testament to his involvement with both of those areas? Because like like you say there, Greg could give two fucks about the games and like the competitive side of it. So like it's nearly like Castro built that despite being kind of you know, having his reins pulled a little bit like, and then the seminar staff, him and the other seminar staff together, like, and if they're the people that are left, you've got to feel then that like, you know, maybe it stands to him. The fact that the areas that don't need any attention really are the two areas that he was most involved in up until now. Yes. I see what you're saying, but how about the opposite of that? How about the CrossFit games as an engine and a part of that business was, the clearest example of how cancerous and poor CrossFit's communication 
and style was. Yeah, okay. For yeah. 10 plus years, it was my way or the highway. Yeah. It was the definition of propaganda. Every message, every every post, every piece of media, everything was hidden propaganda. It yeah. was supposed to tell you how to feel about the thing instead of presenting it to you so that you can feel however you want to feel about it. It was only their perspective. And you know, no matter how many people you have in the room and no matter how many, you know, different meetings you have, when the guy who is your boss and has the final say is not open to what it is that you have to say about it, the voice that's going to come out and the message is going to come out is going to be their message. Have you spoken to him? To Dave? Yeah. Like, have you had money dealings with him? Not really. Um, I mean, we've had, we've interacted a few times, um, but no, we haven't, we haven't had too many, too many. How did you find him like affable or like Stonewally? No. Stonewally is probably a better way of describing him. Yeah. yeah. Stonewally is a good way of describing him. Dave Castro, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know him well enough to make any, any real sort of claims as to like understanding his motivations, but I can mm. definitely analyze his behavior and what we've seen of him in the past. Um, you know, and to me, that speaks volumes about the type of leader that he is, the type of person he is. And that's not to say, that's the thing, like, you know, I, I didn't really get to, to, to sort of put the other side of my thought. I don't think Dave's the right CEO, hmm. but it would be foolish to say that Dave's not an incredibly smart guy and a really, really successful uh, leader and who can implement changes. I just don't think the things that he's best at are going to be the things that help CrossFit the most because you also mentioned, so the games are an example of how awful and, and poisonous CrossFit's communication can become when they just force control over everything as much as possible, right? Mm. The training on the other hand is a, a perfect example of where CrossFit should have innovated, but never did. And so when you're looking at those two things are the things that he's been most involved in, and those are the two things that have been most like obviously critical and obviously a problem within CrossFit's as a corporation, their dealings and the way that they operate. Mm. That to me is a red flag, yeah. you know? And, and if you look at where CrossFit's business is, I mean, the, the bulk of the business is the actual successful heart of the business is the training. It's the certifications and that funnels into the affiliates. And that part of the business has not really been adapted to what the modern world is like. I mean, yeah. it, it, it quite literally took a global pandemic <laughs> to shut down the entirety of the world before they even thought about offering online certifications that mattered not like mm. oh you can get your your judges certification oh whoa whoa like, whoa whoa hang oh, hold your fucking horses there i've got that cert <laughs> that certification matters yeah where is it show it to me it's not in your office i don't see it i don't see it printed out and, i've uh, uh, i've gone paperless so <laughs> now you know what i want to see someone i want to see that you know what i mean at the at the in an affiliate in the office like the coach's Hang office up. You know, they have like their, their L1s and their L2s and like a little frame on the wall. I want to see yeah. someone who takes their judge's certificate, puts it in like one of those really fancy frames that diplomas come in, you know, with like a lot of extra space for no yeah, reason yeah, yeah, and yeah. very fancy, uh, you know, filigree around the, the edges 
and just paste it onto the wall so that everyone knows that this person paid ten dollars to know what a toaster bar looks like when it's a clean rep or not yeah yeah although to be fair if that's indicative of the other courses i would fail every other course because i found that <laughs> judge's course so fucking hard like it was like you know which which reps are no i can't remember what the movement was was it thrusters or so i can't remember what it was i don't know it was muscle ups and it was like which rep is the no rep and i was like hmm <laughs> it was like in the video the person like goes up and like comes down again and then there's a pause and then continue and i'm like wait is it the one before is it the... oh shit, maybe i can't do this and then i remember in the open that year there was muscle ups and i just remember thinking like oh god what if i get... what if i give a no rep what if the what if the scenario that happens in the in the training video happens here and i get it wrong and I, uh, it didn't happen but it's still it's funny that's um, really funny yeah. what do you think of the the stuff that has been done since he came in then so the stuff like the the apology um letter the kind of follow-up apology i guess mm. and then the announcement of the district reps and the the games put up a post there like was it yesterday or whatever about being more inclusive and all that kind of stuff like is it do you think enough is being done in the time that they've had like they've had like a week and a week and like two days i guess they've had like maybe five business days we'll say do you think mm-hmm. enough has been done in that time? Are you the same as me where you think like, yeah, give them a chance. Or are you kind of like, no, come on, I need something now, like something tangible. I, I am not, uh, I am not of the mind that you should rush this. Yeah. Uh, and I also don't think that there's anything that they can do or say that realistically changes anything uh, in, in the course of a week. Right. Yeah. I really don't think that any of the, any of the things they need to work on and need to change can be implemented uh, within a week. That, that said, uh, I know for a fact CrossFit's communication is still not great. And it, it, is, it is improving, and it's been improving over the past couple of years because they've had to improve it over the past couple of years because they don't have a media team anymore. Mm. But uh, while you know, they've released you know, one, two, three, four things or whatever, it's like, okay, here's we're doing the, uh, the we're splitting up the US and doing affiliate reps and uh, we're also like, you know, bringing in uh, someone to, you know, kind of uh, take a look from the outside, it, take a look at CrossFit and try and, and figure out where there are some things. There, there are a lot of conversations and a lot of changes happening behind the scenes that no one is hearing about because they can't talk about them right now. Yeah, okay. So, you know, what we're seeing them post and seeing them talk about is not the only things that they're doing. It's not the only things that they're doing. There's a lot of things that, that CrossFit is working on. And to me, while you know this, <clears throat> this reaction is in a lot of senses, uh, if you just take it out of context, it looks overblown. The, the context you have to look at it in is that mostly... This is not an acute reaction to something that Greg Glassman treated or, or tweeted, mm. right? This is mostly a situation in which it's the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People were, are, have been sort, of, uh, been sort of seeing this trend of behavior and nonchalant type of communication 
and a focus of priorities that don't necessarily match the affiliate level or the community level on a one-to-one basis. Maybe, you know, it's real, the, the licensure thing is very important for the affiliates. Protecting the IP is very important for the affiliates. But on a one-to-one basis, there, there hasn't been a clear focus of priorities for CrossFit there. And, you know, this is a situation in which the community sort of blew up and said, you know what, enough is enough. Mm-hmm change this, change this right now. And that's why it's not as simple as saying, all right, so Greg's out and Dave's in and everything's okay, right? Because it's not, that's not the way it works. It's like Greg's out, Dave's in, and now it it begins, the process of changing this machine begins. And whether or not they're going to succeed, you know, I don't know. I I don't have a- A lot of it hinges on whether Greg stays as an owner or not. Like from what I have seen- Maybe it's just the people I follow, but like I've seen the same kind of message coming from like 15 or 20 of the people that I follow who'd be kind of strong enough voices. And they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, this doesn't really change anything though, because that, like, that's the thing that we want most. Like that, that's the, that's the most important thing to us. Like, yeah, yeah, it's great that you're doing all this stuff, but he's still getting all the money and he still owns the company. And yeah. like, to my mind, from what I've heard about him, that seems like possibly the least likely outcome of everything. Unless like someone like, I don't know, Rogue or McDonald's or someone come in and buy it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I will tell you this. uh, I don't think there's a chance in hell that Greg Glassman sells even a single share of his ownership. I also understand that people think removing him is a necessary part of improving this thing. I get that. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I agree with that. It, it just, I'm, I just don't know. I don't know what CrossFit looks like in that situation. Mm-hmm. I, and what I'm saying is probably like, you know, it might seem contradictory to things that I've said, you know, recently, or even, uh, you know, against the tide in terms of like what, but realistically, if you look at it in terms of leverage, if you look at it in terms of motivations and incentives, there's not a single human being on the planet that has leverage on Greg Glassman. I mean, it's as simple as that. Hmm. Uh, no one is going to be able to find a fulcrum to which they can sort of apply pressure to him yeah. to get rid of his ownership of CrossFit. CrossFit's problems are operational, they're corporate, it's built into the culture. It is, it is absolutely uh, a reflection of Greg as the owner of the thing. And they need to be able to try and resolve those problems. Hmm. Um, I don't know if arguing for Glassman to like divest control of the company is going to get anywhere. I just don't. I just don't see it going anywhere. Um, and I think if people are are focusing on that, I think they might be a little too myopic. They might just yeah. be focusing on the wrong thing. Uh, you know, and they, you know, listen. There are good reasons. There are good arguments to make mm-hmm. in either direction. Um, but I just feel like it's way more likely. Let's say this is not the case. Let's say 90% of affiliates are like, you know what? We're done. We're out. 
he will still happily be there. He's like, great. These 10% are the ones that actually, actually yeah. care about this. That's to him. That's probably his mindset. Cause he'd yeah. be like, great. These are the 10% that actually care, you know, or if every affiliate left, he's not just going to give up control of the name CrossFit so that the things move on and continue. He would just open the only CrossFit gym in the world. <sighs> like, it, it really isn't, it's, it's not this cut and dry situation. Um, and you might be able to make arguments that it might look cut and dry, that there could be, you know, a moral cut and dry, right or wrong in the situation, right? But I'm not sure those hold up when you actually try and apply it to the real, like the reality of the situation for where Glassman is the position he's in where CrossFit is as a corporation, where the affiliates are as a group, where the community is um, as a movement. Like, realistically speaking, I'm not 100% sure that the people who are, who are arguing like this or nothing else understand, one, the real possibility of that happening, which is near zero, and two, what the nothing else actually means. Like, I, I just don't think, I don't think a, a lot of people, I think a lot of people are, are rushing to ask for something that they don't understand. Uh, you know, they don't understand the, the practical aspects of it ever happening, much less the, the, you know, the consequences of it occurring. You know, mm -hmm. and that's not to say that Greg should stay as a hundred percent owner. I, I, 100, I, I think that Greg needs to give up some ownership of CrossFit in order for the community to feel and be you know, real owners of the thing, yeah. right? Some share of it, in my opinion, should be owned by the affiliates so that they're like, they're, they have voting rights or whatever, yeah, or yeah. that they can help appoint a board. Like there are, there are very real arguments to be made that like, yeah, the affiliates and the community should own some part of what makes CrossFit CrossFit. Yeah. But the real, the real aspect of actually putting that together is like, man, I, I don't know what that actually looks like. Um, the games then they changed their date, pushed it back to like the fucking eve of the open. Um, like, yeah. do you think do you think that that's being done? Like, maybe I'm a cynic, but I kind of feel like maybe that's being done to buy themselves a bit more time and to you know maybe convince some of the people who said they were out to say that they're back in and maybe to be able to have more than they originally thought they could have there. Because like, you know, in in Ireland by August, like things would be fairly normal. Like, I mean, there still will be obviously restrictions and stuff, but like, you know, you'd be pretty confident that people, that they'll be able to have more than just 30 and 30, that they'll be able to have more people and that they'll be able to maybe de-piss off some of the people they pissed off by being like, oh yeah, you qualify, but it doesn't count. Do you know, like that they might be able to invite some more people that they promised a place to and that they might be able to have a, more of a media team there and stuff like that. Is it, it like, is it as, is it as simple as just like, oh, we've been told we can't have it till then, so we're not having it till then because of restrictions? Or is it that they're like, wait a minute, if we put it off till August, that gives us another like month to convince people that we're actually okay. I'll tell you this, CrossFit is not the type of organization and never has been to just do something because regulations prevent them from doing it or force them from doing it. Your, your 
intuition that this is a chess move is probably more accurate. Um, I would I would actually encourage everyone to look at everything that happens as some sort of chess move. Maybe you don't even see the rest of the pieces. Maybe you don't see the game that's being played. You don't. You might not even know who the other players are. But just understand in a way that everything that's happening is some sort of a it's a it's either a feint in one direction to get people's attention somewhere it's a move to shore up a, a, a part of their business to prevent a competitor from stepping in it's you know doubling down on something that they've done in order to you know uh you know launch something else differently or whatever in, in another direction so that you know they, they can kind of come at it from different ways like Dave is a very smart and strategic tactician. These are not decisions that are being made in a vacuum. All the consequences, all the permutations uh, of what it means for the games to be moved a couple weeks back have probably already crossed their minds and have probably already been decided. And we just don't know. So yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of reasons other than just logistical reasons why they would move the games back a few weeks or two weeks or whatever it is. Mm. Um, but it would, uh, it would, it, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if anyone outside of those, those rooms can tell you exactly what those motivations are. Yeah. Did you watch the rogue invitation of the weekend? I did. It was pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. I thought they did a really good job. I I'm convinced that it's it's the most uh, technically impressive live stream that's ever happened. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, the only, of, the only glitch I saw was Pat Fellner was doing tempo thrusters. He was like pause thrustering for a long time, where he was just at the bottom of a thruster for like three minutes. <laughs> it was like God, he's really committing to his gains. Yeah, he's really he's really trying to get that time under tension. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I did. I watched it. I thought, I thought rogue did a really good job. Um, program was really good. I thought, yeah, I mean, they, they had a lot of limitations that they had to work within and, and, you know, they, they put together some really interesting workouts, uh, you know, last man standing style workouts when you have all those different screens is always fun mm-hmm. to watch. Um, it maybe started a little too slow in my opinion. There was like just for too many people for too long. And then the drop off was too significant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although the clean was awesome. amazing. Jacob Hefner sitting eating his snacks. That's like yeah. the highlight of the weekend. Yeah, yeah. I also like the fact that, you know, the athletes probably more than in any other competition had the ability to put their own personality and spin. Yeah, yeah. They could express themselves a bit like. Yeah. So I thought I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's the future of fitness um, or I don't know if that's the future of competitive fitness, but I certainly think it it has the the potential of of being repeated um did you think it was a bit pissy that dave was like hosting a charity event at the ranch the same weekend and like just didn't mention the fact that some of the sports top athletes were involved in the competition uh i don't know i mean listen again you have to take everything that dave does with the understanding that that he's a tactician right Mm -hmm. so there's a 0% chance that Dave was unaware that the Rogue Invitational was going on. I'll say that, yeah. right? I, I do know that that fundraiser had been planned for a while. You know, yeah. that wasn't something that just happened over the, over the course of that week. Hmm. So, you know, there is, um, 
there's just so many moving parts, man. It's like, it's so hard to keep track of it. And I've, I've had my, uh, I've had my fair share of conversations. I was just going to say like, so you, you share a lot of the stuff that you put up, you'll, you'll put up, if there's an announcement, if there's a statement, if there's a press release, whatever, you'll put up the thing and then the caption will be the thing again or like, you know, this just released by whoever and like zero commentary on like what's being said. A lot of the time, fuck, I'm just looking, it's going to rain and I'm closing the light. <laughs> you... <laughs> Perfect. That is the yeah. most 2020 experience in a nutshell right there. Oh man, I'm so old. Um, you have, uh, so you put up your posts and you're like, you know, there's no, there's no commentary. A lot of the time it's just like, here is the news as I have it. Do what you want with it. It's, you know, like you just said it there a minute ago about like just CrossFit don't put stuff out there and let you make your own opinion. It's like, this is what you should feel and think about this. And I think you're kind of doing the opposite of being like, here is, here are all the pieces on the chessboard that I'm aware of. This is where I think they currently are. That's just information for you to use. Like, do you find it like one, do you find it difficult not to be like, here's this press release. It's fucking bullshit. Or here's this press release. It's amazing. (laughs) And do you find that you're getting a lot of abuse for maybe not calling out things that you don't agree with or for sharing things that people think like, Oh, but this is bullshit. You shouldn't be sharing it. And you're saying like, well, I'm sharing the left side and the right side. I'm sharing everything. Uh, yes, I, I do get a lot of shit for that. Um, I think it, it maybe again, I mentioned oh, my clothes earlier. Get so wet. You have no idea. How it's <laughs> <laughs> I heard a noise and I was like, I hope that's his microphone. And, not, and then I looked over and I was like, no, no, it's pissing rain. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i do i do get shit for that uh and i mentioned earlier in this in the show like you know uh you generally want to make communication as clear as possible um so that people don't fill in the gaps themselves but what i do on instagram is not the same thing as i do on on my youtube channel right on instagram i'm just trying to share as quickly as possible to the largest audience the exact details and nothing more of what has happened yeah um I don't think Instagram is a great platform to share commentary on. Uh, it just doesn't, it's not what people use it for. It's not how it's designed. It's designed for a very quick consumption of something that they, you know, can very uh, easily absorb and then they can make their own opinions, right? So like the comment section on my Instagram is probably full of a lot of people either assuming what my side is, assuming why I'm posting something or arguing with other people who are making similar assumptions, right? And that's just the internet. Uh, I'm not going to be able to change that. You know, realistically speaking, my use of Instagram is so that I can very quickly and easily disseminate the exact facts of what is happening so that other people can understand that something has happened or is going on. On YouTube is where I add a little bit more commentary, a little bit more analysis. YouTube is, is a much better platform for me to actually be able to sit down and speak to what's going on. My goal isn't to tell people what to think or how to behave. My my goal is to communicate with people that this is an incredibly complex situation. And you can take that this is an incredibly complex situation and apply it to literally anything. It is never as cut and dry as someone thinks it is. It is never as black and white as someone thinks it is. It is never as clear as someone thinks it is. You're never going to be in a situation in your entire life 
barring, you know, you're sitting and having a coffee and some guy comes out of a building with a butcher's knife and, you know, says, for no reason, I'm going to murder somebody and runs up to somebody to murder them. There isn't going to be a situation in which you have all the necessary details to make a snap judgment and understand what is happening. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, especially in situations like this with dozens of people involved in like the core decision-making and thousands of people involved in the emotional side of what the repercussions of those decisions are. Yeah. It's never going to be clear. So my goal and why I structure my content the way I do is to essentially present people with here's what happened, here's why it's happening, and the context within which it's happening both now and historically so that they understand there's a lot more layers to this. And if that affects their decision-making process, that's, that is great. And if it doesn't, then maybe they weren't listening closely or I didn't present uh, enough information. Yeah. You know, generally speaking, it, it really is a very, very complicated situation, um, regardless of what situation you're looking at. And it would be a shame, I think, to to sort of paint an organization as being monolithic, right? And what I mean by that is like, here's a perfect example. Um, uh, the... Facebook post, that CrossFit Games Facebook post that everyone was lighting up on fire because CrossFit apparently doesn't care about black people. Uh, and the guy who wrote that post and was responding to all those comments about how CrossFit doesn't care about black people is black. I, I don't know how else to, to very clearly describe the complexities of the situation we're in. You know what I mean? Like that is that if that doesn't make you pause for a second and think, all right, so maybe there's a lot going on that I don't understand. My whole thing is to just, you know, there's a lot going on that we don't understand, but yeah. I'm going to try and make it a little bit clearer by giving you context and giving you different sides of the, the thing. I think it, I think it shows a very mature, um, it shows a very mature decision-making process when you can hold two seemingly disparate things in your mind at the same time. And it's, it, it's a shame that all these things could all be true at the same time. Like it is and could be very well true that like, you know, maybe Greg Glassman's a terrible human being. And at the same time, CrossFit has positively changed millions of people's lives. Hmm. And that is a very, you know, like if both those things are true, that's a really hard line to walk because the connection between Greg Glassman and CrossFit and its success is direct. It's not hazy. So then how do you, how do you bring those things into focus at the same time? Right. Or maybe Dave isn't the right person to be CEO, but at the same time, maybe CrossFit is going to be in a better position a year from now than they were a year ago. Mm. It's kind of like listening to, kind of like listening yeah. to Orkady's music. Kind of like listening to R. Kelly's music. I mean, I wouldn't say, I would say more like Michael Jackson, right? Yeah. Michael Jackson's a good example. I guess R. Kelly, because it's way more, it's been way more clearly, you know, displayed. But like, yeah, like Michael Jackson. It's like, how do you listen to Michael Jackson's music? Mm. Like when you listen to Billie Jean, do you think of 
him as a pederast or do you think of him as Michael Jackson, the king of pop? You just don't pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's really, that's really the thing, right? It's like, yeah. uh, you know, there, there, is, <clears throat> there, there are clear lines to be made um, in people's decision-making process. And I respect that. I think it's really, really important to be able to say, here are my boundaries. Here's my limit. Here's what I will accept and what I won't accept. But at the same time, I think it's really important for people to understand that those things should be, <clears throat> sorry, I've only had coffee this morning and I'm, I've been talking a ton. So it's like, it's just, it's just not ready for it. Yeah, um, yeah. Those things should be fluid. They should be flexible based off of the, the um, information at hand. And I think everyone should reserve a little part of their brain to remind them on a regular basis that things aren't as cut and dry as they see. People are still making these decisions and people can and do make a lot of mistakes. Uh, and so because of all those complexities, it's just, it's just really important to keep an open mind and, and sort of understand that you know, just as complex as your existence is and just as many motivations as you have, every single person that you interact with and every person that you see on the internet has those same complexities to their moral character and those same complexities to their motivations. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay, thanks, man. I let you go. I'm gonna go and download some Michael Jackson illegally and bring in my wash. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's that's how you that's how you fight the man. That's how you, yeah, that's yeah. how you prove a point. You just go illegally download some Michael Jackson music. But my my yeah. fucking clothes are washed again. <laughs> hey, man, I had to. You know, that, that's good. Sometimes sometimes the second time is really what what you need. We're talking uh, about like the downfall or the potential downfall or the potential potential salvation of a uh, fucking global conglomerate that's gonna like impact everyone's life usually. And I'm like, oh man, it's fucking rain in my clothes. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. Um, listen, Armin, thanks a million for coming back on. I really appreciate it. And um, keep up sharing the stuff. I think that's why I'm drawn to you. Is because of that, because of like the just here's the information and think what you want about it, use it to help make a decision rather than here's the information now come to the same decision as I've come to. I think it's good. Like it's the, the I think the awkward conversations and the awkward discussions and the tough discussions that need to be had won't be had if everyone's like if everything turns into an argument that has to be won or lost. I think there's just right. nothing will happen like because you know people just end up there be a split and people won't agree with each other. Whereas I think, like you say, empathy is a great tool. You know. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Thank you very much, Peter. I appreciate you having me on here, man. This is great. Cool. Enjoy the rest of your day. I can't wait to be your first three-peat. <laughs> three-peat? Oh, my God. That's amazing. Oh, hey. <laughs> there it is. There's the bromance. Yeah. There it is. Cheers, man. Thanks very much. Have a good day. Later. You too.